This podcast, number 814, with author Chris Moses, is brought to you by Jamie Reno, author of the revised edition of the book entitled, Hope Begins in the Dark, Lymphoma Survivors Tell Their Exclusive Life Stories. Please listen to Jamie and Greg as they talk about lymphoma and survival. Jamie shared his life story and his years of living with lymphoma and navigating the healthcare systems, treatments, and the psychological issues that one dealing with lymphoma needs to know about and better understand. In this book, Jamie brings together his most diverse group of lymphoma survivors to date to share their compelling survival stories. They have each taken charge of their cancer treatment. They have decided to fight with determination and compassion. Above all else, this is a book of hope. If you want to learn more about Jamie Reno and his works, please visit his website at www.hopebeginsinthedark.com. That's H-O-P-E-B-E-G-I-N-S-I-N-T-H-E-D-A-R-K.com. And now, please enjoy listening to our featured podcast, Greg's interview with author Chris Moses about his book, The Sanity Game. Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voison, the host of Inside Personal Growth. And Chris, most of my listeners, obviously, have been doing this now almost 14 years. Mm-hmm. They got the hang of it. They know how, how I rock and roll. It's a pleasure having you on the show. You're joining us from Dallas, Texas. Is that correct? That is correct. All right. And I met Chris kind of in an unusual way. He sent out an email. Uh, he's quite the marketer for somebody who is actually in the human resources consulting business. Uh, Most people aren't as progressive as Chris. And so I decided to have him on the show and we're going to be talking about his book called The Sanity Game, Uh, Cut the Crap That Drives Employees Crazy. And uh, the foreword is by Mark Sanborn. Great book, by the way. Good stories. Boy, you just get right to it, man. You don't uh, waste any time. <laughs> but I'm going to tell, tell my listeners uh, a little bit about you. Uh, Chris uh, Moses is an engaged professional who has spent more than 20 years assisting companies as small as one-on-one and as large as Walmart. His coaching clients consist of professionals ranging from entry level to CEOs. He follows the one-size-fits-all philosophy to increase top and bottom line and provides career guidance and consulting with global organizations. Chris is the founder and chief sanity officer, I love that, of HR Sanity, Mm -hmm. a company that assists organizations uh, rein their sanity in the human resources area. Well, you know, Chris, it's always a a crazy area in HR. And my first question really comes around. You state in the introduction of the book that the world has become insane as it relates to human relations within business, okay? Um, Mm -hmm. What has happened to the landscape of our human resources departments that makes this such an insane world? I mean, you look at the regulations, you look at the stuff that people have to put up with, and it is a bit insane. Um, and each state is different, right? So yes, tell correct. us a little bit state, about this. Country. Yeah, country. Tell us a little bit about this landscape yeah. and how it's just gone 
out of this world insane. Perfect. Well, first, Greg, thank you for allowing me to do this. As I said for my first real podcast, and the, the the quote is "one size fits one." We don't do a one size fits all. If you do a one size fits all, it, it sometimes becomes insane. One size fits one. I apologize. I read that wrong. <laughs> no, no worry, no worries there. But everybody's different, so you can't have it fit everybody. So, so yes, the, the relations between employees, between employers, and and the managers has become. Insane. It's, it's these points where relationships are negatively impacting the value of the organization, hurting employees' careers. And sometimes even employees are getting physically hurt because of this insanity. And I personally think what's happened to the landscape of the businesses when it relates to HR is that HR, human resources, works very hard to limit the liability of, of the organization by not firing toxic employees. There, there's a a great Harvard business review that came out in 2018. I read it a couple months ago, and it said, I, mean, I hope I mis- misquote this, nothing destroys a culture faster than feelings of danger and mistrust. Leaders who wait to contain the toxic damage risk losing everything. And through this insanity, look at all these companies that are just going away. COVID has, has taught us one thing, is that those great companies, great cultures, strong environments, they're still around. Those were, were, they were bad. They didn't have enough money and they're going away. Yeah. Well, you know, COVID has affected a lot of companies, in particular, the smaller companies. You see Mm -hmm. the bigger ones like Walmart and Costco and Amazon and all these guys, they're thriving. You know, you, I'm, I'm in the market. I I look at it every day. So I see what's going on and there isn't really a direct correlation, but the smaller companies um, are, are being challenged. And I believe the COVID thing, you know, this is a, off the wall, a little bit of question, but I'm going to ask you, it all seems about liability. You know, it's like, is somebody going to sue somebody if somebody comes to work and catches COVID? And so now I don't know what the underwritten rule is because you don't hear anything about it, but there sir, is a very obvious, hey, put on the gloves, put on the mask before you serve the food at Mm Chick-fil-A, because if you don't, you know what, we could get sued. That, that's correct. And there, there's no precedent set yet. There has been a lawsuit. There's probably going to be lawsuits about COVID. And uh, what I was trying to reflect on the, the COVID stuff in the small businesses, if you drive around your town with restaurants and you have the small businesses that have great cultures and they took care of their customers, there's a line out the door waiting to get food to go. Right. And then you have, have the, the cultures that were not that great. They could be next door and there's nobody getting any food to go. Like, there's a Mexican restaurant, fabulous, most delicious Mexican food here in Texas. We have a lot of them. And to, when, when COVID hit, there's this huge line of like 30 people that would sit there for an hour to get their food. I'm like, why would you sit there for an hour? It's because of that relationship and because of that sanity that is impacting their bottom line. Well, that's an important point you make is the humanism. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, when restaurant owners, you know, I I know a lot of little mom and pop places that we were sorry to see go, but when those people would walk around and talk to you and create the human relation, meaning the human relation with the customers, the customer relation, I should say, Mm it's always great. And you mentioned that when we remove the emotion from the conversation, that it provides clarity. I I liked that statement. I think that was really good because... You know, emotion does impact many of the conversations that we all have. And uh, I think it was uh, Buddha. And he said, you know, if you're attached to it, you can't be attached. Uh, Don Miguel Ruiz said, uh, don't take anything personally, right? So the key is you're saying, look at those factors. 
Um, how can you help our listeners who might be working in HR or who have a have had a negative experience um, with an HR department? Because there's been plenty of employees out there that complain about the HR department. There's also been been plenty of of HR uh, executives who basically are not good HR executives. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, it, it's it's true. It, HR sometimes is a stepchild, but if you've had this negative experience with HR, the first thing to do is, is with any situation, you spend a little time reflecting on why you feel this way. You know, what, what was that HR issue that you had with HR or, or was it them or was it you? That, because remember, the, the main thing of HR is to make sure that the company is following the laws. Most of the HR work is done with following the IRS laws, the EEOC, the employment laws, the city laws, the state laws, the country laws, laws around the world. They spend all this time doing that to keep the company out of a bad situation. So when you come into HR with your facts and you provide solutions that will be acceptable to you and HR, it, it builds that, that relationship. And I know that there's a small percentage of situations that, that can become emotional and, and build that bad feeling with HR. Right. But, I mean, for example, there's, there's harassment. You hear about that. That always hits the news. That, that's unfortunate that, that it happens. But the, the good thing is to think that HR, and not think, but to know, HR has been trained to handle these situations. They, they're there to help you. They're not there to right. fire you if, if something happens like that. But the thing to remember also is that HR is not your psychiatrist. They're not your counselor. And they're definitely not your barber where you tell them everything about your life. That's why, you have EA, that's why you have EAPs, right? Employee the, assistance. Yeah, EAPs are wonderful. <laughs> if you have an EAP, use your EAP. It's there for you. There's no shame in it. I, you know, I, I'm in HR, and I've called EAP when my kids were, were, were going crazy. I, mean, I was a new dad, and I, I needed <laughs> yeah. some help. I'm like, oh, we favor EAP. Let's call them. Yeah. Well, it, you know, there are a lot of good programs out there that help employees that some employers have installed and many have not. Uh, there's probably more employers without EAPs than there are with mm-hmm. EAPs. And for those who don't know what an EAP is, it's an employee assistance program. Yeah. It includes psychological health, le- legal help, all kinds of things that you can get access to. But, um, you know, you and I were, you were commenting uh, that one of your books went out or went out <laughs> to Ellen DeGeneres today. And it's pretty timely because there probably isn't a listener here that hasn't seen the news about Ellen DeGeneres. So, you know, literally in that case, they're complaining about their boss who did some probably inappropriate things. Um, I don't know the whole story. I only heard the story and I'm sure it's going to disappear over time. The question is what went wrong there, Chris? Oh, it was, uh, what went wrong with Ellen? I don't know. I, I was there. I don't watch Ellen. I'm, I'm yeah. during the yeah. day. But I, but I can tell you, I, I researched a little bit. I thought it was comical that it's going to Ellen. I thought she was a funny lady, and now I found out that she, she may have some things going on. Yeah. The, the, the environment there must be pretty toxic, and there's a lot of other companies that have these toxic environments that somebody spent their money to buy a book to send anonymously to somebody to spend, send a message. There, there is some kind of toxic issue going on there that that Ellen or her producers or whoever is running the show needs to to approach and talk to these employees about, and that's yeah. what the book is for—is really to, yeah. to give to those people uh, 
Well, I mean, it's for more, all people, but give you yeah. an opportunity to send it. When I somebody. got mine, there was even a label on the outside. It's not there anymore. I peeled it off. It's, it's sent anonymously. Oh, yeah. So, 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 you, if you send you, a book anonymously, you get a sticker that says sent anonymously. Exactly. And sometimes I get calls by these managers. They get so mad at me. Who sent this to me? Like, I don't know. Uh, their name is Anonymous. You know somebody by the name Anonymous? <laughs> and you say, well, I can't release their name because that's what Anonymous means. That's what I, yeah, and I've, I've been hung up on and I've been yelled at. It's, I, I find it really – it'd be great if Ellen called me up. Who sent me this book? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're well, getting they, on my show and I'm going to yeah. yell at you there too. <clears throat> Now, That'd you state that when we use the word insanity, that uh, all you're trying to do is figure out what it takes to build a work environment that is sane and humane. Again, another great combination of words, sane and humane. Mm-hmm. You approach everything, Chris, so logically. I like that. And usually in HR, it's a, there's a lot of emotions. It's about who did what to me or how they talked to me. And, you know, we have... Um, I'm not going to comment that we've gone overboard on the whole sex issue because this whole issue about, you know, was this person inappropriate or appropriate or not, we've heard so much of that in the news lately that Mm -hmm. it's just, it seems toxic, right? And I'm not saying it's not going on, but it just seems like everybody's on top of it. So Chris, what does it take to build these types of environments and to shift the culture where it's inclusion and not a top-down command and control situation so that these type of environments and the culture shift as well, not just the HR department, but the whole culture. Great. Great. That, that's a, a great question. And to start, companies first have to understand that command and control environments generally do not work in business. The larger the business is, the more employees you have, the less control you're going to have over your employees. You need to have this culture that you're speaking of where the employees are committed to the success of others in the organization and the success of the organization. So successful work environments are built on trusting and open relationships. Converting from an insane work environment, it's not always easy. The leader needs to you know, understand that culture is bad because they've ignored bad culture or they have encouraged it. Maybe they are the bad culture. And if, you, if the leader who has ignored or encouraged a bad culture owns up to it, start with, you got to start just first with the apologies. I've screwed up you know, for, for being such a bad leader. Then introduce the company of how the company or the team is going to now function. Now, on my team, for example, we have a very strict, and it's in the book, stab from the front policy. Do not waste your time going around and stabbing from the back and telling people all your problems because, one, they don't care and it's not helping them out. You know, start with the facts and go to the person. And understand that most people do not come to work to upset everybody or create a mess. They want to perform. And, and teams need have that open, transparent communication so, so that you can grow that, that growth of the company, of the person, and the performance. And when somebody gives you bad feedback – very critical that you thank them for it. I, I remember I was in a town hall with a company at 60,000 people I used to work at and we had a new CEO and employee raised her hand during the question section and asked this really pointed question to the CEO. And it was really a mean question that everybody's kind of wondering about. And the CEO could have said, well, that's a horrible question. You're fired. Instead, the CEO sat there, thought for a second and said, thank you. I'm so grateful that you asked that question. I'm sure everybody here is is wondering about it. Let let me answer it. 
And instead of getting mad about the question, it was directed straight at him. He thanked her and, and moved on and built that relationship. So now other people know that they can go directly to the CEO and ask even meaner questions that they're worried about and then build that environment. Yeah, that's, you know, you, when you were saying that, and I remember those town hall meetings, it reminds me of that show, The Boss, whatever it is, it's the, where they go and do undercover. And undercover they, Boss. Uh, undercover Boss, yeah, right? Yeah, great show. <laughs> and it's a great show because when you really look at HR problems, believe me, the, that's really what they're working on is the, the HR. All people really have to do is kind of watch that show to try and figure out what mm-hmm really is going on and what people really think um, so that you at the top can change your ways uh, so that you don't mm-hmm. fall into these holes. Now, Chris, you got some very sound advice at the end of each of these chapters. Every chapter has these notes, right? Yep. And they're in a big box. Sanity and I'll notes. tell my people, if all they did was read the sanity notes and not the rest of the book, you'd, you would have gotten your money's worth here. Um, <laughs> What is the sound advice from chapter one that you'd like our listeners to understand? And it's the notes sections. We don't have time to go through all of them, but I want to point it out that the design of the book is you read the chapter, you get these notes and he's pulled out the most important salient points from it. Yeah. So, so the one note that's, that's brought up, it's actually brought throughout the whole book, but it's, it's specifically noted in chapter one is that everybody is playing the sanity game every day. You know, you're either getting closer to sanity or further away. There's, there's really no neutral. And if you see insanity at any level and you ignore it, you don't say anything, you begin losing the sanity game, and your company suffers, your career suffers, employees suffer. The, the goal with, with the sanity notes at each chapter is really to, uh, to, to purposely win sanity in, in work and in life. And so, so the note is that it's, uh, you know, uh, everybody's playing that game yeah. and, and you, you need to play it. You can't ignore it. Well, you have to play the sanity game, not the insanity game. That's correct. Uh, right? You can win the and, insanity game, but that's not going to help you out much. Well, you win the insanity game because most, of, a lot of places are playing the insanity game still, mm-hmm. and they don't understand that they're even playing the insanity game. Um, but you state that there are two factors that create horrible bosses we just talked about undercover boss and boy that show does a great job of revealing some pretty poor bosses in your estimation what are the factors of a horrible boss and then what are the traits of a good boss because Mm -hmm. it's not just okay well we pointed out the horrible boss but we really want to know what if we're going to change what is it that we have to do to change yeah so first the two two uh factors of being a horrible boss one they tend to be micromanagers and lead a few levels below where their their role is it's like you, you wouldn't expect the vp of finance to run payroll or a pilot of a plane to serve drinks they're not doing their job they're doing yours which then makes a lot of insanity and they rarely look for their leadership growth they don't spend any time learning how to become better leaders so the factors of these these really horrible bosses is well they lack trust that's why they're doing your job they don't let you do it they micromanage they exhibit bully traits yeah low integrity, bad communication. And what I see a lot is a limit, uh, a limited vision on, on where are we going and how are we going to get there? So the team has nothing to follow. And then on the flip side, you, you have the trace of the great bosses is they understand that their employees are just passing through. You know, they are, they're there to help them grow to where the employee wants to grow. 
and trusting honest relationships, fun environments, even stressful times can be fun. And then they, we talked earlier about this, but they always lead with facts. There's not emotions behind it. It's, this is a fact. We pay payroll wrong, and here's how we're going to fix it. Don't get emotional about it. All right. But don't they also, Chris, aren't they really good at giving high? I remember watching training videos, mm-hmm. and it was uh, it was around uh, uh, Herb Kelleher, Southwest yeah. Airlines. And Herb used to walk around, and he used to like to give autonomy. You know, Southwest was known for being able to, you went up the checkout counter, People can make a decision yeah. on their own, right? And when you look at autonomy, you say that's a trust. It's a huge Trusting. level of trust to give that. And you did say trust, but I really think that it's embedded in the culture to have that autonomy and trust and allow people to make decisions on mm-hmm. their own. And if they make a wrong decision, you you don't scold them. You basically just say, hey, there's a better way to do this, right? Yeah. But the reality is you're giving them this ability and the autonomy. What? Yeah, autonomy is, is a great way to look at it. It goes along with, with the factors of a, a great boss. And it's yeah. interesting you brought up Southwest because they're in the book a, a couple times. And I think the story in the book is the time that Southwest was stuck on the tarmac. Most people do nothing. Southwest went out and ordered pizza for everybody and gave free drinks. Right. Nobody told them they could do it. They just did it because they had that environment where it was acceptable to have that autonomous decision. Yeah. And it worked well for them. It hit the news. Well, and it's 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 a great organization. You know, mm-hmm. it, he he likes to spread love. That's why the back has a heart on the back of it. Yeah, the stock and symbols rem- love. And I remember him walking around in the in the offices and out and handing out M and M's to the employees. And mm-hmm. you know, it was it was really cool. Now, Chris, I love your statement. When you're a jerk, employees go bankrupt in their yeah. mind and have not. You, you, they don't have any value to give because they basically give up. They just say, hey, this mm-hmm. guy I work for is a jerk. Why, why do I need to do any more for him or her? Yeah. They check out emotionally. Yes, we, we've all seen employees that mm-hmm. have checked out emotionally. We know the statistics uh, from the Gallup poll on engagement. It's really mm-hmm. low. In the United States, it's low. Worldwide, I don't know what the number is, but the level of engagement is very low. Um, How would a leader or a boss change their mindset, their mental attitude, uh, so that they're not so much of a jerk, that they can get the employees more engaged, Mm -hmm. and the employees don't feel alienated? Yeah. And they become engaged. Big question, right? Because we're having such a huge problem with employee engagement right now. Huge. Yeah. It, it, it leads right back to the manager where, where your engagement is. What are, the we, we lo- have- what are the productivity loss numbers from engagement? I, I heard them one time, but it's always a great statistic if you know it. I don't know it exactly, but it's in billions and billions of dollars. Oh, it's lot, it's ton, tons of money. It's, yeah. it's amazing on, on how much we, we lose because of engagement and and doing things that are not related to your job because engagement is bad. Yeah. So, so we kind of touched on this earlier. The bad manager needs to make the decision not to be a bad manager, not to be a jerk and, and reflect on those factual issues, talk to the employees, get the honest feedback. And engagement surveys, many companies have these engagement surveys. Use that as a starting point. Uh, okay. once, once you have that starting point, you, you cannot become a better leader overnight. And definitely you can't do it by yourself. You know, becoming a better leader is like getting in shape. If you're not in shape and you continue to fail at that personal health side, 
what would you do? You'd probably go out, buy a few books, watch a few videos, and then hire a trainer to help you out. Then the same thing goes for failing leaders. You'd buy a few books, watch a few videos, then surround yourself with those great leaders. Get real, ditch those people who are horrible leaders because they're going to become part of your average. And then hire a coach to work with you. There's there's nothing wrong with coaches. Coaches are wonderful and they're awesome. I've had coaches my, throughout my whole life. Mm-hmm. Mark Sanborn, who's on, on my book, he's one of my coaches. He's mm-hmm. He did the forward. Great guy. And for some reason, bad managers think that coaches are bad. That makes me look bad. They're, they're, they're horrible for me. It, it impact. No, they're not. If you look at a CEO, a CEO has lots of coaches. It's called the board of directors. Right. They don't work for the company. They work for the shareholders but they're there to coach the CEO. And then all great sports players receive their success by having a great coach. Think of all the people that have the gold medals and win the Super Bowl. Joe Montana had a passing coach, right? All these people have coaches. So get, so get yourself a coach, read the books, watch the videos, and, and decide that, that you're going to become this better person. Well, it's good advice because, um, you know, my show is all about – Uh, you know, 815 podcasts now or whatever the number is in almost 14 years. It's all on personal growth. It's on business. It's on mastery. And, you know, there isn't a podcast in there you couldn't go to and listen to and Mm -hmm. learn something from, right? And that's been my whole purpose is to, you know, take people, pardon the term, but out of the darkness and into the light. Right. That, that's what really you, you do when you hire a coach. It's like, aha, you have these aha moments, right? It's like, oh, breakthrough. I could try that. That would be something I can do. And in your chapter on nuclear bombs and co-pilots, you state that if our mind isn't sane and we don't think correctly, that we make poor decisions. Totally agreed. Uh, what is it about core values? Now, because you, in the same chapter, you're talking about core values, mm-hmm. along with that that uh, state of the co-pilots and nuclear bombs. Um, what is it about core values and our mental sanity that need to be strengthened um, mm-hmm. in your estimation? Because you say if we set core values, but we don't live those core values, mm-hmm. it's a waste to set the values. Yeah. Right? Yep. Right. That's, That's right. kind of so, what we're getting to. So the thing with, with core values, they must be actually practiced. Just because a company states that their core values are does not mean that these are the real core values. Now, how many times have you seen a company that says we value our employees? That is one of our core values. But then you, you walk through the, the company, you see all these Dilbert cartoons and leaders screaming at each other, people not working together. Well, they may have said that, but that's not the real core value. Right. So this is, this is kind of where the nuclear bombs go off with the core values. These companies confuse the employees so they're not making the same decisions. You're saying, I, I appreciate my employees or whatever the core value is, but it's not really the core value. So now the employee is like, well, what do I really do? And, and, and these decisions turn to huge mistakes that will shut an entire company down. And this actually is, is one of my favorite chapters that you're referencing because there's a story in there about a payroll manager who received a phishing email and the phishing email said, hey, send, I'm the CFO. Send me all of your W-2s. I want to look at them. And the company had 7,000 W-2s. What CFO in their right mind would ever want to look at that? None. Right. But the, the core value, we appreciate our employees, was not really was, was not used. And it, they yelled at their employees. So the payroll manager didn't want to deal with the CFO. So the payroll manager just sent all the W-2s to some scam artist who then filed taxes for everybody. And for three days, nobody worked because they were afraid that their 
their social security numbers and home addresses and everything was on the dark web. Oh, wow. So <laughs> that, that's the nuclear bomb that went off at a manager level within a 7,000 person company. Yeah. And usually Based that on, kind of behavior is coming from the top down. Correct. Um, so it doesn't mean that it was the CFO. It might've been the CEO giving the CFO direction. It, it could have been. Fre- but the culture of that organization was yeah. that these, these top people just no were trust. viewed as, as mean to the, yeah. the lower level employees. So they yeah. just didn't want to deal with them. Yeah. Uh, a right uh, of, Payroll manager in that situation should pick up the phone, call the CFO and say, are you sure you want these? It doesn't sound like you're leading at your level. But one thing that I, for my clients, if you have a large organization, have some fun with this. Have your CEO send an email to the payroll manager and tell them that they, you want all the W-2s. See if the payroll manager responds. If they respond, don't fire the payroll manager. Change your culture. Yeah. Payroll, payroll manager's doing what they're told to do. Yeah, Totally. Totally. I'll knock that off too. So don't worry about it. <laughs> no worries. Okay. Now, Chris, you speak about the abuses of the visits to social media sites, which is robbing companies of productive hours and productive time. And yeah, mm-hmm. it's social media sites and it's also porn sites. I mean, I've heard all kinds of stuff, you know, Crazy. and I know people are trying to block it and it's, it's, it becomes more and more difficult to do, but we are losing a lot of time to that. And um, how, now this drains basically the the attention of people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like oh, I'm like you. You comment in the book. There, you walk by a person's desk and someone's looking at Amazon, or they're doing shopping, or they're doing whatever. Um, what kind of advice would you have for a company that's maybe going through that, um, yeah. where they're seeing lost productivity as a result of? Hours and hours and hours, thousands of hours being spent on uh, just, you know, social looking media. at social media and or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, for, first, I have to admit that sometimes I fall in the bucket. I think we all fall in this. We get sucked into something and just stay there too long. And and there's actually a statistic that says 5 to 10% of people suffer from social media addiction. So it's a real disease. Yeah, for for a company, my suggestion is you can't get rid of social media. It's there. You can block it on your computers, but then people have phones that they can just get on their phones and, and do do the social media. In the last century, since you and I are, were were there and remember all of it, most of it at least, they used to have smoking breaks where people would take two to, two three times a day. They'd go oh, out yeah. fifteen minutes and smoke. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think now you need to have those social media breaks. You you can't get people away from it all the time. So it's, it's okay. Take that break, go fill your bucket with social media, see what everybody's doing and then let, get back to work. And, and let's say that you're not in that full addiction cycle and, and you're the person, the best thing to do is to determine your values and, and what's your future. If you want to progress your career and you, you don't want to like get rid of your career because you're spending half your time on social media, you know, become accountable to yourself. That's a good advice. I, I like the advice. The advice is, you know, give people social media breaks, you know, Um, know, we we used to, I wrote a book that was giving people breather breaks because instead of them going out smoking, what we wanted to do is get them Mm -hmm. to meditate or at least calm down because the stress levels are so high inside of companies. Um, It was called wisdom, wisdom, wellness, and redefining work. And I think the key there is, is that no matter what the break is, let the person get up, walk around, go use their cell phone, 
walk outside if, if they can, if it's close enough. Uh, but important thing is you give them a break to do whatever it is that they need to get done so that they're not doing it on your company time. Yeah. Um, now, you have this 3F formula for giving criticism and being more humane, okay? Um, what are those 3Fs, and why do managers need to know them? Because you kind of have them in a box in the book. You're like, there's, I think, remember they were outlined. Yeah, so the, the three F's is how the book is, is separated. First one being facts, the finesse and fun. You're mm-hmm. leading with the facts, talking about the facts. Remember, facts are not emotional. Finesse up the, the communication a little bit. And then engage with fun, if possible. One of the things I think managers have to get really good at is self-deprecating humor. We can always laugh at ourselves. I've got tons of stories of things that I've done wrong that can add humor to the situation that, that makes it less aggressive. And mm-hmm. then we can, with humor and, and everybody's smiling or at least engaged, you'll get more done. You'll get more discussions. You know, managers need to know these three elements to, to keep those negative emotions away from the conversation. This will, this will increase the value of the employee, the relationship, and the company. Yeah, so those are important ones. And, and throughout the book, as he says, it's divided in those three sections. And finesse is a big one for him. And finesse has to do with these folks uh, being a little bit more sensitive than being a jerk in the process uh, so that you don't have the complaints in HR that will happen as a result of you being a jerk. Uh, yeah. All the advice that Chris has given is really sound advice. You know, go get a coach, Right. Uh, you know, uh, if, r- listen to audio tapes, take some time to listen to podcasts, uh, do whatever it is you need to do to train yourself um, so that you can be more effective as a leader uh, and less abrasive uh, and more inclusive. You know, the key is the inclusion as well. And I think a lot of times decisions are made without that inclusion. So that autonomy uh, that Herb Kelleher gave, then that Southwest Airlines story is all about inclusion. It's allowing people to make decisions and be included and also listening to their opinions. That's the other thing. I mean, you and I go back to the day when there were suggestion boxes. Well, you don't need those. You don't even, you don't need those. You don't need those anymore. You're going to be able to hear it. And I think that, yeah. And aren't companies, by the way, able to actually kind of track what people are doing on the computer so they can actually now tell uh, if someone mm-hmm. is uh, sabotaging maybe what's going on at the company. Uh, so there are so many different ways that, that the people can be tracked, right? Mm-hmm. There are lots. Yeah. It, yeah. You are being tracked uh, whenever your computer's on and when it's off. They can tell how long you've worked, how many keystrokes. If you're in a call center, how long your calls have been. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's pretty telling. So um, I think the key is just do your work when you're supposed to do your work. And when you're supposed to go do your social media stuff, go do that somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, we've had a really great dialogue here and conversation about HR, the problems, the insanity, mm-hmm. uh, moving from insanity to being sane and humane. I think these are the key points. What do you want to leave our listeners with about creating this humane and sane work environment mm-hmm. And what are some of the action steps that people listening that are in HR today, even if they're not in HR, but are listening, could actually take? Yeah, great, great question. Well, to create that humane and sane work environment, you first have to understand that that you lose the game of sanity when people dread coming to work. And because of the insane leadership or your insane culture and winning the sanity game 
happens when, when you show the respect, honesty, appreciation for your team, your company, and your customers. Uh, sane environments also happen, and this is where people don't like to talk about this, but when you eliminate people who gossip, backstab, and, and generally make work difficult for others, don't hold on to those people. Let them go. Let them fly free. And, and for action steps, the, the listener you do, the, the first one, you know, continue to listen to podcasts. Like, like the ones that you have, you have 800 of them. You can listen to a lot of podcasts. Yeah. If the listener can implement one concept or have one concept that, that, that resonates with them, then the podcast was of good use of their time. The I second agree. thing is to, to read books for development and share them with your team, your leaders. And as I said, if you're afraid to send books uh, to your leaders because they're insane, then send it anonymously. Half of our orders are anonymous. And then finally, you know, spend more time listening to your coworkers and making time to think of the response to the questions. I see people all the time that somebody talks, says something, and bam, they have an answer. You know, spend a couple seconds and think through the question, and then that helps you with create more concepts to consider. And the great things about our mind is that you can think through so many scenarios in a fraction of a second. Give yourself time to think about it. It'll make your environment a lot saner. Yeah, the, well, what you're pointing to are critical thinking skills, and I think mm-hmm. anymore – if people would take some time to contemplate and, and use critical thinking skills, they're saying in the work environment that they're, they're almost absent uh, because people are so used to just going to the computer and Googling it. And, you know, they're, they're, they're not thinking on their own because technology really has interfered with a lot of that. And I would agree with that. And Chris, you've agreed as part of this podcast to actually give away 10 books and I want to let my listeners know that this is a great book for you to have if you're in the HR game, uh, getting your company out of the insanity and into the sanity game. You can go to thesanitygame.com. There you can learn more about Chris, his consulting company. He actually works with companies uh, far and wide. doesn't matter what size. If he was working with Walmart, obviously that's a big company all the way down to the smaller companies. He'd love to hear from you. And we'd love to have you uh, write in to Chris. Um, you can. There's a contact us right there. And just say you heard him on Inside Personal Growth and you're one of the people that would like to get a copy of his book. Or you'd like to have a copy of that book sent to somebody so else anonymously, <laughs> you could even even better. Uh, we could we'll do that as well. Is that right, Chris? Yeah, it should just uh, tell me who to send it to, and tell me who you are, and off off we'll send. I I, I don't send books. Just send this book. I'm not going to tell you who I am. I, I'd like to know who you are also. So right. let me send it to you away. Well, not, so you want to have a conversation? He'd like to have a conversation with you, which would be the best part. So if you'll do that, there is phone numbers at the website and you contact him. Um, it's 833-472-6489. That's a way you can reach Chris. Mm-hmm. Um, you also have his email address that's there on the contact form. So please do reach out to him. Uh, be one of those people that like to get one of the 10 books either sent to somebody anonymously or get a book sent to yourself. Chris, it's been a pleasure having you on Inside Personal Growth, spending well, some time with us. Hey, you're quite welcome. This is a great book. It's also an opportunity, um, as you said, to clean up the culture of a company, uh, make it better, uh, infuse the people with uh, more autonomy. Uh, and really, it's as much an HR game as it is a cultural game here. Uh, and Chris kind of covers both grounds. And I think uh, let's face it, uh, if you were to look at your balance sheet 
and most companies don't look at this, but the human capital value that's on your balance sheet, and you said, what's the most expensive item I have? It's going to be your people that you have. It's going to be salaries uh, and the people. And I always say, you know, what does human capital cost? And if you don't spend some time training them, which is what Chris helps you to do, uh, you're really losing it. And especially in these times with COVID and all the crazy things that are going on. So, Chris, thanks so much for being on. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it.